Welcome to Impact Church's podcast with Pastor Travis Hearn. Pastor Travis also serves as the team pastor for the NBA's Phoenix Suns and has served Major League Baseball as the team chaplain for over a decade. Today, he leads us with a powerful and hope-filled message. We're so glad you're tuning in, and we believe that wherever you're listening from, that God will impact your life through today's message. Thank you for joining us today. If you said that prayer and accepted Jesus into your heart, it's the best decision you could ever make. We want to connect and celebrate with you. Visit impactchurch.com for more information about our church and how you can get plugged in here with us. Be sure to subscribe and share today's message with your friends. Thanks for tuning in, and we can't wait to hear how God has made an impact in your life. How many of you went Friday night to the Suns game with us? We had a great time. And uh, Amelia and Daniel, they absolutely killed the national anthem. And uh, they did the halftime show. Our whole worship team and band was great. And uh, we are, that is the first one. We're going to try to do that every year as an annual thing. And then also, this is really cool, in 2023. So will you say 2023 out loud? 2023, because I don't want you to, I don't want you to go in 2022. But in 2023, we are going to have Easter service in the Phoenix Suns arena. So that's in 2023. I, I don't, I know some of y'all are going to go there this Easter we're not going to be there till next Easter. This Easter is going to be here. But uh, if you're ready for the word of God, let me hear you say, I'm ready. ready. We're going to jump in. I've been in a message series called Jesus Over Giants. Today is part three. And I want us to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11 as we begin today. I'm going to read quite a few scriptures here in 2 Corinthians 11. Chapter 11, starting in verse 23. These are the words of the Apostle Paul. He says, I have worked harder. I've been put in prison more often. I've been whipped times without number. I've faced death again and again. Five different times, the Jewish leaders, they gave me 39 lashes. Now, the lashing was this process of violently whipping somebody, and it was a Jewish law that you could not whip them the 40th time because 40 times had been known to kill a man. So he had been whipped so many times that basically left him for dead. He said, I have been whipped with these lashes, 39 lashes, five different times. Then he goes on in verse 25 to say, three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned. Now, I thought I'd take a minute to let y'all know that it's not the kind of stone that you're thinking of, where your dirty mind went to. He was differently stoned. He was not high on happy weed, maybe some holy weed, but definitely not happy weed. He says, Three times I was shipwrecked. If you were here last week, we looked at one of those shipwrecks. He says, three different times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I've traveled on many long journeys. I've faced danger from rivers and robbers. I've faced danger from my own people, the Jews as well as the Gentiles. I've faced dangers in the cities, in the deserts, on the seas. I've faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I've worked Hard and long and during many sleepless nights, I've been hungry and thirsty and I've often gone without food. I've shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Now, at first glance, this passage could seem like 
you know, Paul's just belly aching about his problems. He's just griping or maybe even bragging. I know some people, they brag about all the stuff that they've been through. They think it's important that we know all the stuff. And it's like a brag thing. Like, man, I've been through this and I've been through that. But Paul isn't griping and Paul isn't bragging what he's doing we find the answer to in the next chapter. So look at this with me. In the next chapter of chapter 12, he says, my grace, this is God's grace. God's grace is all you need. His power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. And that's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ, for when I am weak, then I am strong. I want you to say that last phrase out loud with me. Ready? Here we go. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Look at somebody and tell them, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Look at somebody you don't even know. You've never seen them before in your life. And tell them, for when I am weak, then I am strong. So I've titled my message today, His Strength in My Struggle. His strength in my struggle, and today is part three. You know that when you are weak, he is strong. When you are weak, God is strong. Look at somebody that you know, somebody that you know, and tell them you are full of the swolly ghost. Come on, let somebody know you got the spirit of God in you. You're spiritually swole. You're spiritually swole. That, that's good news for some of you, because some of you... You're definitely not physically swole, but you're, you're spiritually swole. That's good news. You're jacked for Jesus. You, you, you're just, you're just jacked. You, you're full of the Holy Ghost. That gives you power in your struggle. That gives you strength in your, listen, whatever your struggle is, I want you to think about it for a minute because we all have one. If you're like me, you've got more than one. Yeah, you, you know, when, when, when Paul says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I think it's just say when I walk through the valleys of the shadows of death, right? And we're all going through something. What is your struggle today? It could be a relationship. It could be your emotions. It could be guilt. You're struggling with shame. You're struggling with the failure. It could be an addiction that you're struggling with. It could be discouragement or even depression. Listen, whatever your struggle is today, I want you to know that God is stronger than your struggle. He is strong. He is strong. And he wants us to lean on his strength today. I want to read to you another thing that Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9. He said this, we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we are not abandoned. We might be struck down, but we are not destroyed. See, God is our superpower. You know, have you ever seen somebody's like that? Well, my superpower is such and such. God. God is my superpower. God is your superpower. He says, I'm pressed. 
I'm under some pressure. I'm getting the squeeze of my life. I'm pressed, but I'm not crushed. You can't crush me because I'm a child of the most high. You can attack me. You can target me. You can come at me all you want. But I'm, as I said last Sunday, God's property. And so when I'm God's property, I have God's power. Now, I feel like I need to say this, even though it's not easy to hear. And that is this, is that living out God's best. God has a best for your life. I preached on this a few months ago. God has a best for your life. But living out God's best might include living through life's worst. See, the gospel never, never promised an easy life. The, the gospel, living out God's will might, might mean living out life's worst. God never promised an easy life. He never promised easy street. God never promised that life would be easy. He didn't, but he does promise that he will be our strength in the middle of our struggles. He does promise that he will be our power in the middle of our problems, that his presence will always be with us, that his protection, his peace, his provision. I I said this last Sunday, I said that there are some blessings that God wants to give you in your life. There are some blessings in your life that will only come through brokenness. There are some. It's not exciting to hear. I only expected three amens and I think I got two. But there are some blessings in your life that they will not happen unless you are broken. There are some promises that God wants to give you that they're only going to come through your pain. There are some blessings in your life that will never come together unless your entire world falls apart. Think about Jesus for a minute. He was crucified. What's the blessing? The blessing is that you and I receive eternal life. The blessing is salvation, but he was crucified. I've learned this about my own life is no matter what battle, no matter what struggle, is that God's blessings far outweigh life's battles. They outweigh life's battles. Another thing I've learned about every struggle, I was thinking about this this week, and, and every struggle that I've ever been through in my life, it all, it all, it all starts and stops in the mind. That's how powerful the mind is. You're like, man, I got some relationships probably starts and stops in the mind. I got some problems at work starts and stops in the mind. I've got problems, struggle. This struggle, it doesn't matter what struggle it is. It all starts and it all stops in the mind. And I want to talk about the mind for a moment because the Bible speaks extensively, thoroughly about the mind. And I want to give you three facts today uh, about this. Fact number one, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. It'll be on the screens. But fact number one is this, is that the devil targets your mind. That is where the war is taking place. It's in the mind, right? He knows that if he can get your mind, he's got your entire life. The devil targets and he attacks the mind. It's the battlefield of your life. It's ground zero. I always say that 
It's not something to be afraid of, but it's definitely something to be aware of. The devil is targeting my mind. I'm not afraid. If you hadn't noticed this about me, I'm not afraid of the devil and all of his demons put together. I'm not afraid of the valley of the shadow of death. I'm not afraid of darkness because of one reason only, and that is because the light of Jesus Christ is always with me, always protecting me, always giving me the provision that I need. But that doesn't mean that it's not enjoyable or that it is not enjoyable, right? I mean, who wakes up and they're like, dude, I hope today I go through the valley of the shadow of death. Nobody. I've never met anybody in my life. They wake up and they're like, Lord, I pray today is a day of hell and just major problems. Nobody. Nobody prays that. We, we want easy life. We want easy street. But easy street is not going to get you where God is trying to take you. Make no mistake about it. We have an enemy, the devil, and he's targeting the mind. And I want to read to you in Ephesians chapter 6. I'm not going to read all of it, but I'm going to read verses 10 through 13 in Ephesians 6. The word of God says, finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. It is mighty. Thank you for the amen over there on the left side. It is mighty. It is. This is a little sleepy. We might have to have another round of coffee, another Butterfinger coffee for everybody, please. Two more donuts. Just ushers, bring them down. Verse 11, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and authorities, of the, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I preached on that over and over in the weapons series. Verse 13, therefore, put on the full, can I just say, both times he says to put on the armor of God, he doesn't say put on the armor of God. He says put on the full armor of God. He doesn't say put on the armor of God. He says put on the full armor of God. Now, if you don't know what the full armor of God is, how can you put on the full armor of God? So he says put on the full armor of God. And since some of you don't know, I'm about to tell you what the full armor of God is. He starts with the helmet of salvation, right? That is the helmet. It protects my mind. The full armor of God is important. I have the helmet of salvation. He says the breastplate of righteousness, right? Then I'm trying to live my life for Jesus. I have the righteousness of Christ. The Bible says I'm clothed in Christ's righteousness, not my own righteousness. I don't have any righteousness. I'm clothed in Christ's righteousness. He talks about the shield of faith <laughs> that protects me. It's shield, man. It's my protectant against the devil's attacks. I got this shield of faith. He says the belt of truth. You know what that means? It's the centerpiece of your life. Build your life on truth, integrity, build your life on honesty, the belt of truth. He talks about my feet being equipped with boots, the gospel of peace. What does that mean? It means like, man, everywhere I should Everywhere I go, I should be taking the gospel of Jesus Christ with me. God's love should just overflow out of my heart and out of my mind. And so he says, therefore, put on the full armor of God. He talks about the sword of the spirit, which is the 
word of God. It is our only offensive weapon. Everything else is a protectant. It's defensive. But the word of God, we know the Bible says about the Bible that it's living, that it's active, that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It is our superpower. So look, look back what he says. He says, therefore, put on the full armor of God. Why? So that when the day of evil comes, it's coming. You may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand. Can you imagine? Let's just pretend, you know, we're in, uh, we're in the off season. There's a bunch of Arizona Cardinals that will no longer be Arizona Cardinals because there's like 30 free agents, 31 free agents on the Cardinals roster. They're not bringing them all back. They're going to bring some of them back. But let's just pretend the Cardinals call you. And they're like, hey, we want you to play on our team. You're going to be an Arizona Cardinal. And let's say that you put your helmet on. But that's it. And you go out on the field with all these pro football players. You're like, I got my helmet on. I'm good. I'm good. No, you're going to get destroyed. Right? I mean, let's face it. You can put all the pads you want on. You're still going to get destroyed. But that's why he says the full armor of God. See, some of y'all, you're saved and that's it. You have not moved forward in your walk with Christ. You believe Jesus is God, but you're not growing in God. And God wants you to grow. He has so much more for you. So he says, put on the full armor of God. Because the day of evil is coming, the devil is on attack. He attacks our mind. The mind is a crazy thing. The mind is, the mind be wild in at times. You know what I'm saying? Like it just goes. You're like, yo, mind. The mind doesn't mind. Like I need you to come back for a second, right? And every battle you've ever, every battle you've ever thought and fought in your life, every battle, Every battle, the most difficult battle, the most challenging struggle is the battle of the mind. It's the battle of the mind. At times, we have a weak mind. We have a worried mind. We have a fearful mind. We have an unstable mind. Think about it. It's in the mind. It's in the mind where we deal with insecurity and discouragement and rejection and temptation and lust and insecurities. I already said that. And negativity and resentment and discouragement and loneliness and fear. It's all in the mind. Why do you think the devil's targeting the mind? Because he knows if he gets your mind, he's got you. See, if the devil can get your mind, he can get your marriage. If the devil can get your mind, he can get your business. He can steal your joy. He can steal your peace. He can steal your stability. He is targeting the mind. But God wants to protect our minds. And this is what it says in Proverbs 4.23. I want to bring this out. Because he says, the words of Solomon Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Let's read it out loud like we love Jesus today. Ready? Here we go. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. So he says, above all else. I like that phrase because he could have just said, guard your heart. He says, above all else, above everything else that you do in life, the most important thing is your mind. It's your heart. See, it's kind of like the motor of your life, right? If I have a car and my engine blows, the car is blown. 
The car will not move forward. And the mind is like the motor of our life. If the mind goes, everything goes. So the devil is targeting the mind. That's fact number one. But let's look at fact number two. Number two is that God wants to give me a healthy and a whole mind. He wants to give you a healthy and a whole mind. Look at Romans 12, 2 with me. This is a great verse. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Do not conform. Look at somebody and tell him he's talking to you right now. Don't conform. Come on. Do not conform. Do not conform. Do not conform. Listen, some of y'all conformed just last night. Some of you are here at the 11 a.m. because you were in South Scottsdale partying last night. And I just want to say, at least you know where to go on a Sunday. Welcome to Impact Church. He says, do not conform to the pattern of the world. The world has a pattern. And oftentimes we just, we just go right along with it. Like, but I love Jesus. I just love the world too. But I do love Jesus. But I just love the world. And so he says, don't conform. How? How, how do we not conform? Do we just... Do we just will ourselves to not conform? Do we just like, you know, just like, man, I'm just going to make a decision and never conform? No, he gives us the answer. He says, instead, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What that means is, is that our minds need some work. They need to be renewed, restored, rebuilt reprogrammed, rejuvenated, our minds. He says, by the renewing. How does the renewing take place? It takes place by the power of the Holy Spirit in your life and the power of the Word of God in your life. It renews your mind. It's a process. It's a process of renewal. Your mind can be renewed. I think... We spend too much time and give too much acknowledgement to negative thinking and negative things. For example, well, I mean, I can't change. That's just who I am. I've always been that way. That's who I am, right? That's negative. Or this thought like, I'm bringing all this baggage into this relationship. That's your choice, man. Jesus said you can leave that baggage behind and I'll give you a new life in Christ Jesus and a new relationship in Christ Jesus. Just because you've been through some stuff doesn't mean you need to keep going through the same stuff with a new person in your life. So God wants to renew our mind. He wants to change us from the inside out. You don't have to put yourself in a box and you don't want to put someone else in a box. Can I say this, that if you're a child of God and you have the power of the Holy Spirit living in you, let me, let me just say this, you're not the same person you were even a week ago, let alone a year ago or five years ago or 10 years ago. You are a 
brand new creation and your mind is being renewed every single day, which means I'm becoming more like God every single day and less like myself every single day. John said it like this. He said that he would increase and that I would decrease. Look at somebody and tell them, I need less of you in my life. Come on, tell them. Have some fun with that. I need less of you in my life. I need more of Jesus. I need more of Jesus. Our world, maybe over the last decade, maybe, has made this shift to putting a major emphasis on mental health. I think that's a good thing. I think that's a good thing, that there's an emphasis on mental health. I mean, there are books, there are therapists, there are doctors, there are specialists, people that dedicate their lives to mental health, which I am thankful for. But I do not believe that you can be completely mentally healthy without being in a relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't think it's possible. I'm not saying all the other stuff isn't important because books are great, therapists are great, all of that stuff is great. But if you want to be completely healthy and whole mentally, you have to have a relationship with the creator of your body and your mind and your soul and your spirit. And so, listen, I've been thinking a lot about this mental health thing because we spend so much time effort, money on our physical bodies. Like, I've been thinking a lot about this and how to say this. And I mean, in our city alone, which I love, But in our city alone, on every corner of our city, you can find gyms, fitness clubs, right? Health clubs. You can find healthy stores, healthy restaurants. You can find salons for everything you could possibly imagine. You can find Botox on every other store. In Scottsdale, you can find esthetician. You can find plastic surgeons. We probably have five or six in here right now, which is fine. You can meet me backstage and we'll get some work done. And, 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 and listen, even we have, we have dry bars. You, you, you can pay money. You can pay a lot of money. To go have someone else blow your hair around for a while. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting my car. I'm putting miles on my car. I'm putting gas money. I'm spending gas money. And I'm going to pay you to blow my hair around for a while and make it look how you think it should look. Now, I, I'm, not, I'm not knocking any of this stuff, even though my sarcasm feels like I am. I'm cool if you got Botox. Some of you are like, thank God, because I do. And I'm cool if you got plastic 
whatever, you know. <laughs> whatever, you know, makes you feel better about life. Whatever you got to do. Uh, I, I, I understand all that. That's not, that's not even really my point. My point is, think about the great lengths we go to make sure the external looks good. And then think about how much time do we actually spend trying to get the internal to be good and to be healthy. It's just like, well, I don't care. Nobody sees that. Oh, yes, we do. Oh, yes, we do. Have you ever been around a toxic person? It's not like they're wearing skin that says I'm toxic. No, they're toxic. You ever been around somebody that's full of resentment? Aren't they a joy? They're bitter. You ever been around somebody that's just old and bitter? They've been hurt. They've been broken. And when they got hurt, it turned to anger. Instead of the anger turning into healing, it turned into hate. And the hate made them bitter. And that's on the inside. But we can see it in everything that you say, how you present yourself. So what I'm saying is, like, I've been thinking so much about, like, this inside game. Because we spend so much energy and effort and money on the outside game. You know that Jesus actually talked about this? He did. I want to read to you in Matthew 23 because this is some intense stuff. Like he, he brings some heat on this in Matthew 23. He says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. And then he says, you hypocrites. Now, I think this is. This is fascinating. He's talking to religious leaders of his time. And he's saying, look, Pharisees, you guys are hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will also be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, You're like, this is crazy. You're like whitewashed tombs. They look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. Can you imagine Jesus saying this like to you? Because I think this is important because we live in a day and age where you've got two types of like philosophies. You've got the like philosophy of Christianity that's like, bro, stop your sin, let Jesus in. Get right or get left behind. You need to turn or you're going to burn in hell forever, and it's a hot hell, right? You've got this extreme over here, okay, which is not biblical. Part of it is, but then you've got this other extreme it's like, oh, God is good, and he's just so gracious, and we can do whatever we want because his grace covers all of our sins, and we're always forgiven. And so then we live like that, and there's a balance. And the balance, the perfect balance, is Jesus Christ. He's the balance. So, so, so this, whole, this whole notion that, like, God is just a loving God. He, he loves you anyway. I mean, Yeah, he does love you anyway, but he loves you enough to call you on the carpet of the sin that's in your life. We don't like it, but it calls us to become more like Christ. 
So imagine like you're there and Jesus is like, you're a hypocrite. You are a hypocrite. You look good on the outside, but on the inside, you're full of death and decay. Like, dude, whoa. <laughs> like, that's intense. Yeah, that's intense, but that's what, am I right or am I wrong? So he's saying, you look the part. Man, y'all come up in here on Sunday morning. What is the miracle you've been waiting for? He is a miracle I've been waiting for. But just yesterday, you were cursing somebody out or giving them attitude. Road rage. Impact Church road rage. You are the miracle. Some of y'all, you hear this message. Within one hour of this message, you will have lost your salvation for just a minute. And, and, and this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, look, man, look, you look the part. He calls them hypocrites. You know what the Greek word for hypocrite, we get our English word hypocrite from the Greek word hypocrite. Isn't that cool? The only difference is the Greek is spelled with a K, hypocrite with a K. And we decided, no, we're going with the C in the English language. We're going with the C for sure. Why would we keep the K? Hypocrite. We think of like hypocrite as like, you know, like you're phony, you fraud. You don't say what you're going to do and you do what you say you're going to do. You don't do whatever I'm trying to say. And you're like, you're a phony. You're a phony. You're a fraud. You are not as advertised. But see, in Jesus' time, hypocrite was used in theater, and it means actor. So Jesus and Peter and John, it's not in the Bible. This is in First Hallucinations with <laughs> Pastor Travis paraphrase ideas. Jesus is like, Peter, John, we should go to the theater, man. My favorite hypocrite's over there today. You know what I'm saying? It was, it was the word they used for act. Like some of you might be actors or actresses. You put it in your Instagram bio, actor, actress. You want people to know. Like my favorite, my favorite hypocrite is Will Smith. My favorite hypocrite is Denzel Washington. My favorite hypocrite, it, it, it was an actor, an actor. So Jesus comes out and he says, yo, you all are actors. You're performers. You're not the real deal. You're actors. You're performers. And what they were doing is they were putting on an external image where God's trying to get to the internal. That's why Jesus addressed the heart so many different times through his teaching. He's trying to get to the heart because God wants you to have a healthy and a whole heart. You can look clean on the outside, but what does the inside look like? And that is what God looks at. So you can go get all the surgeries and all the Botoxes and all the 
all the, all the, all the, all the, because you know, well, I want to look good for all these people that I don't even care about. And I don't think they care about me either, but I better look good for them. I better put on a good front when all the time Jesus is looking at the heart. He's looking at the heart. And listen, all you need to do is please Jesus. All you need to do in your life is live your life to please one person, and that is Jesus Christ. When I live my life for God, this is the reality. When I live my life for God, I'm a better pastor, I'm a better husband, I'm a better daddy, I'm a better friend. And so he is addressing the heart, the heart is where we get the motives, the heart. It's an inside game. God wants to bring your heart, your mind to health and to wholeness. Let's look at number three. This is the third fact today. Fact number three is that God gives me power over my mind. This is important because we're in a series called Jesus Over Giants, and sometimes, sometimes, Your own mind is your giant. Sometimes it's not an external giant. Sometimes the giant is right inside your head. And it's important to understand that God gives you power over that giant. That God gives you faith over fear. That God gives you peace over pressure. That God gives you calmness, a calm in the middle of the chaos. It's Jesus over giants. I want to read 2 Timothy to you, chapter 1, verse 7. This is what it said, for God has not, hath not, I put it in the King James Version today, God hath not. It sounds more spiritual. God hath not. <laughs> there was somebody one time that put a comment under one of my posts It was like, King James is the only real Bible. So I just, first of all, that's somebody who has no freaking clue what they're talking about. But I I like to just answer that for some of you that maybe were like, yeah, it is the real Bible. So the King James Bible, because like there's some old schoolers, maybe, maybe you're here and you're old school. You're probably not if you're here, old school, but there's a chance that you might still be, and you grew up going to such and such church, and they only did the King of Jameth. And so you're like, why does PT preach sometimes out of the NIV and the NLT? And, and, and so I'll just answer the madness in your head right now. King James Version was a Bible that was put together in 1611 by a king named James, a very arrogant, prideful, godless king. You study him and you tell me if Kingeth Jameth is the only Bible. And so in 1611, not in America because we didn't exist quite yet, at least not the way we do today, there was a king that decided, now we're printing Bibles. You have to study the whole thing in context. The printing press, there was a Bible before the King James Bible. It just wasn't in King James. Even before 
the King James, there was another Bible in English. I, this isn't even what I was preaching on. I'm just going off. Now I'm just throwing a fit in front of everybody because of one guy's post under my picture. So is this okay or not? Is this okay? Here? So, so, so the evolving, I, I have Bibles, by the way, I collect antique Bibles. So I have Bibles all the way back to the 1500s. And I have Bibles from the 1600s, the 1700s, 1800s. And I, I, even have, I even have Bibles from 2022. Can you believe it? And, and, and it's on my phone. It's called the Bible app. Yeah, because, because a, a month or two ago, somebody was kind of getting worked up. Like, don't you offer free Bibles? What kind of church is this? I just want to tell you, if you're in here today, I'm not mocking. I mean, I kind of am mocking you. But I just want you to know that there's a free Bible on your app. It's got everything you need, every, literally everything. It has a daily reading plan. You can read the Bible in a year. It gives you the outline to do that. You could read the New Testament in a year. You could read the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You can set like devotionals and studies and topics. It is very powerful. If you don't have the app, download it. It's the Bible app. It's made by a company called U, Y-O-U, Version, U-Version Bible app. Okay. We have an app that we give you in our app. We give you a free Bible every Sunday, and I say if you've not yet downloaded the Impact Church app. We said it that Sunday because we say it every Sunday. If you haven't downloaded the Impact Church app, it has the Bible in it, today's outline in it, and then after that and the sermon is over, somebody goes to the lobby, where's the Bible's? So what I'm trying to say is that I'm using the King James translation for this one particular verse. And it says half. The reason I don't typically preach the King James version is because we don't speaketh in Kingeth Jameth today. You know what I'm saying? We're not like, hey, what would you want for breakfast? I'm not like, Amelia, thy hat is beautiful. <laughs> and so this one, though, is powerful because it, 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 it says, for God has not given you a spirit of fear. Spirit of fear. That's what it starts with. God has not given you. Now, I think this is interesting because God didn't, he didn't say, I did not give you fear. He said, for God did not give you the spirit of fear. So what does that even mean? What it means is that the spirit of fear means I'm controlled by fear. God didn't give you that. Some of you live your lives controlled by fear. Fear is limiting. It's paralyzing. It's like a governor for your life. Like the governor, you can put a governor on like a car, like an ATV or something, and it only goes a certain speed. Fear, it governs, it limits your life. Fear makes things bigger than they actually are. Sometimes in my life, I've been so afraid of something and then it happened and I was like, oh, my fear was worse than the actual event. Like terrified of that. And then it happened. It's like, oh, that wasn't so bad after all. 
Fear. God said, I did not give you the spirit of fear. Let's look at it. But of power and love and a sound mind. A sound mind. Not an unstable mind. A sound mind. You know what that means? That God gives us the power over our minds. The power over our minds means that we have power over what we think about. Power over our thoughts. <laughs> I just want you to hear me on this because some people have told me in their past that they can't control their thoughts. I just can't control my thoughts. Just whatever goes in there goes in there. It's crazy. I just can't stop thinking about it. Can't stop thinking about it. Let me just say this. You can stop thinking about it. it. It's a spiritual weapon that God gave you. It's called focus. I, I've told you this before. Like, I don't really particularly like scary movies. I'm not a horror film guy. You know, it's not like I'm done preaching. I'm like, dude, I got to get home for 1 p.m. There's this cool horror flick coming on. I can't wait. Like, I don't like, I never did, even as a kid, even as a non-Christian, I did not like, I was never like, dude, can't wait to see like a dude in a face mask go like chop people in half in the forest. Yes, let's go. It's not my type of exhilaration, you know, can't wait to see somebody with big long fingernails just slice people into pieces, like not my deal. And by the way, I don't think it should be any child of God's deal. I think you ought to protect what goes in your mind. Because what goes in your mind is what you become. Now, I, I just use an extreme, ex, extreme ex, uh, illustration on, like, the idea of a horror movie. But have you ever wondered where your fear comes from? Have you ever wondered where your guilt comes from? Have you ever wondered where your doubts come from? Where your worry comes from? Where your stress comes from? Have you ever wondered where your insecurity comes from? Because I wonder that all the time. And if I can identify it, I cut it out. I cut it out of my life. See, it's the power of God that he gives to protect us. But then there's our own choices. Because so, sometimes we blame everything on the devil, don't we? The devil. He did it. No, you did it. Sometimes, for some of us, the devil does, he ain't even worried about you. Because he knows you'll defeat yourself. It's like, you know what? I leave the door open and invite the devil just to come on in. And then I'm rebuking the devil and asking God to get him out. He's like, you're the one, you're the one that opened the door. Oh, God, get this devil away. Bro, sis, you made a decision. You, you made a choice. See, sometimes you create your own giant, and then you want God to slay it. What I'm trying to tell you is that you have power over your mind, and there are things that shape 
the thoughts that you have. If you don't like the thoughts you're having, start changing those things that shape the thoughts that you have. I've gotten to where I don't really read comments on social media anymore because this is what I've learned. It doesn't bring out the right trav. Because by PT's nature, y'all remember that group, Naughty by Nature? That's me. Naughty by Nature. My nature is if you attack me, my nature is like, let's go. I'm coming. Let's bring it. That's not God's nature. That's not what God wants in me. Right? So you have to protect your mind. Above all else, guard your heart above everything else that you do. If I'm watching TV and I don't like something, I keep clicking. Now, I'm not saying weird thoughts don't pop into your head at times because they do. I told you guys this four or five months ago. I vividly remember a cat walked in front of me, a kitty cat, a cat walked in and I thought, kick it. I thought, (laughs) kick it. I did not kick it. Hold on. Hold on. Just because I'm human, y'all getting all judgy up in here. But I'd love to hear your thoughts. I'd love to hear you tell me what some wild thoughts. You just keep yours to yourself. But I did. I said, kick it. I said, no, don't do that. That's not a good idea. Don't kick it. Because just because a thought pops in doesn't mean you have to keep thinking it. You don't have to keep entertaining that thought. God gives you power over your thoughts. I want to close with, I want to close with reading a series of scriptures. Let me read a series of scriptures to you before I close this in prayer. Philippians 4, verse 8. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about such things. These are all about the mind. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4 and 5, for the weapons of our warfare. They're not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and everything that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. Listen to this part. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. John 14, 27, Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. John 16, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 through 18, for our present troubles are small and they won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't do, we don't look at the troubles we can see now. This is about focus. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. I want to ask if you'll stand to your feet with me. Will you stand to your feet? And will you close your eyes? And bow your heads as we close this in prayer today. Father, we thank you that, God, you are our strength in every struggle.
And Lord, I lift up my church family today because so many of our church family are going through struggles and trials and valleys. But God, we know that you're greater. We know that you're stronger. And so God, we trust you in the struggle. We depend on your strength in the struggle. And we declare the words of the Apostle Paul, for when we are weak, then you are strong. God, that you would be the strength of our life every day, every hour, and every moment. Be our superpower. If you're here today and you've never taken a step of faith to give your life to Jesus Christ. Listen, I I just want you to know that that's why you're here right now is because God loves you so much that he gave his one and only son to die for you so that you can have eternal life and so that you can have a victorious life on this earth. Not a struggle-free life, but a life that even through the struggles We have the strength of our Savior. Today, if that's you and you say, PT, I want to give my life to Christ today. I want to take a step of faith and become a Christian. I want you just to pray right now and say, Jesus, today I give you my life. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I want to start living for you. Thank you for your forgiveness and thank you for your grace and mercy. And as the word of God says, if anyone is in Christ, they're a brand new creation. God, we celebrate new life today. We celebrate fresh starts today. And God, we're grateful for your word. I pray you bless our church family. God, that you would shower down your love and your blessing upon every life here today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Impact Church, we all say, amen, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you said that prayer and accepted Jesus into your heart, it's the best decision you could ever make. We want to connect and celebrate with you. Visit impactchurch.com for more information about our church and how you can get plugged in here with us. Be sure to subscribe and share today's message with your friends. Thanks for tuning in and we can't wait to hear how God has made an impact in your life.